If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. It's good to see all of you here today. Love you very much. And uh, I, wanna, I want us to take our Bibles and go to the book of Genesis chapter 1. For the next few weeks, we're going to, um, I'm suspending our Route 66 series. Uh, we're going to begin that again in January, and we'll start with Jeremiah, uh, the book of Jeremiah in January. We have a few things that we want to uh, focus on for the theme of, of this time of year, of Christmas. And, but um, something uh, interesting happened while, while I was in Mexico City uh, this, this past week. Oh, by the way, did you guys enjoy having Pastor Brandon here yeah. last Sunday? Yeah, oh, man. He was, he was delighted to be here. He told me, Pastor Eric, I can't tell you, it feels good to get up and not have to drive two hours to church. So uh, thank you. Thank you for letting me preach in McKinney. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I said, well, that's, that's, that's good. I said, because um, I had to go all the way to Mexico to preach. So it's yeah, nothing to go to Granbury. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I didn't actually realize how close Mexico City was to us. It was only a two-hour flight, a little over two hours from DFW. But, but just to, to give you an understanding of Mexico City, anybody ever been to Mexico City here? Yeah, a couple of people. There are 24 million people in Mexico City. Now, that might not mean anything to you until you understand there's only 22 million people in the state of Texas. So it's a rather large city. And we don't know traffic here. I'm telling you, I've been in Dallas traffic, Mexico traffic. It's 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 got us beat, bad. So uh, you could, if you ever get stuck in Dallas traffic, just say, "Well, at least I'm not in Mexico City." So uh, there's the silver lining. <laughs> anyway, but we had a marvelous time, and I've got some things I want to share with you um, about about our experience there. Uh, we started on Friday night. Um, at the conference. Now, now, the reason I even went in the first place is because there was a student at Christ for the Nations by the name of Jess, Jess Cano. And he came up to me one day and said, Pastor Eric, would you consider coming to Mexico City? Well, he didn't know that that, was, that has been a dream of my heart since I was a child because I had a friend whose dad was a missionary in Mexico and he had lots of stories from Mexico, and particularly Mexico City. So I, it had sparked a desire in me to one day go. And, and so finally I got to go. And, and he asked me to come to do a conference at his dad's church. His dad's name is Jose. All right, get ready for this. His name is Jess, but it's, it's actually short for Jesus or Jesus. His parents' name are Joseph and Mary. I mean, what a cool deal is that, Jose and Maria. So uh, we, had, we had a good time laughing about that. But he asked me to come, and so then I went, and I took our Spanish pastor, Pastor Chris, uh, to interpret for me. And we started on Friday night. Uh, actually, Thursday night was when we really started. We were sitting in Pastor Jose and Maria's house, and oh, my goodness. I thought I knew what Mexican food was until I got to Mexico City and really experienced it. When they brought a taco out with a tongue on it, I knew I was in a whole new world. Like, wow. Lengua. It was delicious, too. Thoroughly enjoyed it. But... Um, we were, we were sitting at the pastor's house, and we just began to have a Bible study. Four and a half hours later, sitting around the dinner table, we finished this Bible study, and the God was just moving marvelously in it. And they had lots of questions, especially when it comes to law and grace and all those kinds of things, because they were, they were raised a lot like I was in a very hardcore legalistic atmosphere um, where you were made to feel bad, and then you knew you really had church. Well, the pastor beat us up on, beat up on us today. Man, we really had church. I don't like that kind of church. 
That's not Bible church. That's not good news church, huh? Right? Come on, help me out here. Unless you guys want me to preach it. You want me to preach mean to you? I didn't know. Okay, that's not going to happen here. All right. The scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That's what we do here at One Cause Church. We bring glad tidings of good things. So as we just talked about those kinds of things and just talked about the wonderful grace of God, I just saw a transformation in this pastor and his wife, and she broke down and began to cry and talk about how um, she was barren for a period of time, and then, and then God op- healed her, and, 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 and she began to have children. But she thought for a long time that she had brought that on herself by something that she had done in her life. And when, when I read to, to them out of Isaiah chapter 54 that this is like the waters of Noah to me. As I've sworn, I will never flood the earth again, so I swore I will not be angry with you. I said, this is the good news. This is what separates the gospel and the time we're living in from all other times. God got over his anger. He's not angry at sin. He got angry at Jesus for us. Hallelujah. And Jesus bore the brunt of his father's wrath. So it's a lie. If someone's out, you hear somebody out there say, God's angry at sin. God's angry at sin. They're lying. They're just lying. That's not the scriptures. God reconciled. God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto himself. Mm, not imputing their trespasses to them. Just decided not to credit you with sin. He credited Jesus with your sin, and he credited you with Jesus' righteousness. Hallelujah. That's the gospel that transforms lives. That's what saves people. That's what brings people out, up out of their addictions. It's what it causes them to overcome is that amazing grace of Almighty God. Can I get a good amen today? Rules and regulations have never worked. They never will. God's own law couldn't work. Men's laws are certainly going to fall way short of that. It's what the scripture says, that what the, what the law could not do, that God's law was weak through the flesh. Christ did. Christ did when he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he abolished sin in the flesh because rules and regulations couldn't, couldn't accomplish righteousness. And these are the kinds of things we were talking about, discussing with and then, and then we, the conference started Friday night, and Saturday I probably preached five hours on Saturday. You want me to do a repeat performance? Uh, <laughs> Cowboys already played. Hey, we got all day, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just. Anyway, um, yeah, thank you for your enthusiasm there. And then, and then Sunday, <laughs> and it was marvelous. Sunday, Sunday afternoon, uh, they start church at noon, right? I, I think I could get into that church at noon? That's awesome. Anyway, uh, I preached on the power of the Holy Spirit. I preached on the, the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And there was probably a hundred people there at that service and 30 of them received the baptism of the Holy Spirit that day for the first time. Matter of fact, there was an old woman that stood up. I said, if you want to receive this, she stood up. About seven, I say old, older. She was about 70 years old, all right? And she stood up, and, and, and Chris and I just went around laying hands on them and just watching them one after the other just receive the infilling of the Spirit. Well, I mean, it was, it was a wonderful environment. And I walked over to her, and she told me, thank you so much. Thank you so much. She goes, I've been praying for years and years and years and not been able to speak in other tongues, but today it happened for me. Today it happened. And I thought, how sad that is because she's been un- sitting under for so many years that you've got to perform for God in order to receive from God. See, that's what keeps people bound up. That's what keeps them in, in, uh, in locked up in fear and anxiety and, where, and, and, and this performance mentality. 
that when she heard the gospel, she was released to believe that she could have anything that God wanted her to have simply because that's what he wants us to have. Amen? I'm here to tell you that grace, grace is amazing. His grace is amazing. It, the grace of God, yeah, it's unearned, it's undeserved. What it is is that grace is you getting what God wants you to have. That's what it is. But you choosing to believe it's another matter. Amen. Can we believe that God is that good? Can we believe that he loves us that much? That he would freely give us salvation. That he would freely give us all things through Jesus Christ. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? He didn't even spare Jesus. That means anything that he has is yours. Anything that he has is yours. So today I want to talk to you for a few moments about going from zero to hero. You know, the, the, Jesus, Jesus is our ultimate hero. He's the, he's the hero of the Bible. He's the hero of our lives. I don't even have my notes up here yet. My goodness. The definition, I want, I want to just give you the dictionary definition of, of hero. I love this, this definition. It means, pardon me, someone who fights for a cause, a person distinguished by exceptional courage and nobility and strength. See, when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, he said, for this cause I came into this world. For this cause I was born to bear witness of the truth. It was that verse of scripture that sparked us, sparked us to name our church One Cause Church. Jesus knew the very reason he came and he walked out that purpose to the very end. He knew exactly what he came to do. I was born for this cause right here. And the scripture says this, for this purpose, the son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, Jesus came to fight for a cause. You were that cause that he came to fight for. Hallelujah. That's what makes, that's why he's our hero. He came to fight for this cause. That is to, that he would bear witness of the truth. And his cause is now our cause. To bear witness of the truth. To bear witness of what truth? The truth of the scriptures is what he came to bear witness of. That's what that gospel that the apostle Paul delivered to us. He said, that, that gospel I delivered to you, that is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. In other words, long before Jesus ever came, it was already, he was already talked about. His death and his resurrection was already spoken of in ages past, written down in Scripture. And then when he came, he came fulfilling that word in the flesh. That word manifested in the flesh. So that's why he never wavered from his mission. He never, he never, he never questioned his calling. He said, I was born for this cause. To give witness to the truth. Bear witness to the truth. That is the truth of the scriptures. And those scriptures, and, and we can see, especially as we've been in this Route 66 series, we see it happened at the very beginning. Right after Adam and Eve sinned, God came walking in the garden looking for Adam. And then Adam told him what happened. And then God spoke to the serpent. And he said, I'm going to put hatred or enmity between your seed and her seed. And her seed being the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Long before written in scripture, and yet then on that day when Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross and the Roman soldiers began to raise that cross up until it came crashing down, set in place there on that hill, we could not have known, no one could have known that Jesus was fulfilling scripture right here until that very moment because the very place that Jesus was crucified was a place called the hill of the 
skull. And there, that cross was penetrated the very head of that skull, representing that the, the, the head of the serpent had been crushed by Jesus victorious hanging on that cross. And that spike that went through Jesus' foot was the bruise on his heel. Then it's written also about Abraham who offered up his son Isaac to God. That story astounds me over and over again, except, I mean, what man could, could do that? Just offer up his son as a sacrifice to God, except that he saw something that, that not everybody can see, that you don't just get from natural means and you don't get from, gather from circumstantial evidence. He saw something. He knew something about God. Abraham had been walking with God for some time and he knew, wait, this is my promised son. He said that in, this, in him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So then the only, the only conclusion that Abraham came to, according to Hebrews chapter 11, is that he concluded that God was able to raise this boy from the dead. Abraham believed that even though he was going to, I mean, he was going to all the way slay his son on that mountain, but yet he knew something else was going to happen. That would not be the end. God would have to raise him from the dead in order for that promise to be fulfilled. So in his heart, it was already done. That's what Hebrews says. In a figurative sense, he already received him both dead and raised from the dead. And that's all God needed was faith. Because faith is the real thing. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of those things that are not seen. So that's all God needed was Abraham's faith so that he wouldn't even have to go through with it because in his heart it was already done. And God did that. Why did God do that? Why did God ask that of Abraham? Because God had a plan. And God would not violate his own law of man's free will. See, it wouldn't be right for God to just force his plan on us. He gave us the, the right to choose. So to, he, wouldn't just, he couldn't just invade the earth with Jesus. He had to get a man on this earth who he gave charge to the earth to give up his son, all right? So then God would have legal entrance to then give up his son because God and Abraham were in a covenant together. And, and that covenant requires that each party gives equal part. So the fact that Abraham freely offered up his son meant that God now owes Abraham to give up his son. And then the scripture says that those who are of the faith of Abraham also get in on this great covenant. Hallelujah. That's you. That's you. That was the genius behind the plan, that it wasn't just for Abraham, but all those children of Abraham. Those who would simply believe and be made righteous by faith. The glorious thing. Just, this is all in the scriptures. And so he died according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose the third day according to the scriptures. It's a marvelous, marvelous story, isn't it? Yeah. Amen. I want you to listen to this. Isaiah chapter 53. Can you bring that up on the screen? This is the message translation. Listen to this. Therefore... I'll reward him extravagantly. This is God talking about the suffering servant, his son Jesus. The best of everything, the highest honors because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his own shoulders the sin of the many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. I love that. See, his cause was to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus' cause was to destroy the works of the devil, to go about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. His cause was to come so that we may have life and that more abundantly. Hallelujah. His cause was to die for our sins and to rise again. His cause was to be the firstborn among many brethren, no longer the only begotten son of God, but the firstborn among many brethren and to bring many sons to glory. Hallelujah. Look at this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. See that? Darkness. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Void. Dark. There was, in other words, there's nothing to see here. <laughs> there's nothing to see here. There's no hope of substance, no hope of life, no evidence. And yet, verse 3 says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. In other words, God was not intimidated by the darkness. He was not intimidated by the formlessness. He was not intimidated by the void. Because he knows something that all of us need to continually remember, that his word changes everything. If it's not there, my word will bring it there. That's the power of his word. Maybe today you're void of something in your life and you have only been looking at that void and been intimidated by that void and thought maybe that void was everything, that that's the end. But I'm here to tell you that you have a word from God, and if you'll declare that word, you can create the God kind of life in that situation. If you're void of healing today, you can declare, by his stripes, I am healed, and see that thing which is void, see that thing which is dark, come to light by his word. All right? I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you, God, by his grace, has given us his word, which is all powerful. That's what the scripture says, that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. All right? That word two-edged means twice spoken. Sharper than any twice spoken word. That's a powerful thought. It's, in other words, it's two, what gives it its two edges is two people coming into agreement. God speaking gives one edge. You declaring his word as he has declared, that gives it that two-edged sword. That's what makes it the most powerful weapon on planet earth. See, then it doesn't matter what others may say. Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter what others may say. You have the word of God, which is the highest authority on the earth, and that word can change every situation, no matter how bleak, no matter how dark, no matter how void it is. The Word of God is all you, all you need. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, all you need is the Word of God. All you need is the Word of God. All you need is the Word of God. You need to get it in your mouth. You need to say what God has said. Believe His promise and lay hold of His promise no matter how long it takes. Because His Word is true. God is not a liar. He can be trusted. He's bound himself to his own word. Think about that for a moment. The Scripture says that He has exalted His Word even above His own name. Because he knows that if his word is no good, then his name is no good. God has bound himself to, well, he's sovereign God, he can do what he wants. No. No, 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 no. No, no he can't do whatever he wants. He does whatever he says he's going to do. And God will not break his promise. See, a lot of times we think of God like us, except a little bit better. No, he's way way better. Huh? If he says he's going to do it, he's, that's exactly what he's going to do. And it's not depending on what mood he's in that day. By the way, like I said earlier, he's not angry. Amen. So he's in a really good mood, thanks to Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. He's looking upon you, and he's looking upon anybody who will believe him so that he can perform his promise for you. 
He's, his eyes are looking to and fro on the earth. Will anybody have faith? Will anybody believe? Will anybody dare to speak into that void, into that darkness and say what I say? Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's more than just knowing it. It's the practice of your confession. It's one thing to have a little promise book, little leather-bound promise book on your shelf at your house, but it's another word to live that in the realities of those promises, amen? And the way that's going to happen is when you declare what the Word of God has said. And what makes the Word of God so powerful, and I've shared this with you, but I've got to share this with you just so I can tell you a story, and that is that you've heard me talk about this, and when Jesus said, I do not speak on my own authority, I only say what the Father tells me to say. Remember that? In other words, God spoke and then Jesus spoke. Yes, sir, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. And then whatever God said to do, that's what Jesus did. Right? And then Jesus said, the helper's coming. The Holy Spirit's coming. And he will not speak on his own authority. What he'll take from me and then deliver it to you. So check this out. Even though Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God. Are we all in agreement here? Do we need to, or do we need to go back to elementary Bible college? Huh? All right. We're all in agreement. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God. The three are one. And there are three witnesses then to whatever God says. The Father tells the Son, the Son tells the Spirit, and then the Spirit declares it to you. So by the time the Word of God even leaves the Godhead, there are three witnesses to it. And this is important because the Scripture says, out of the mouth, in the mouths of two or three witnesses, every word, every word will be established. Every word will be accomplished. That's why you can trust the Word of God because there are three witnesses to it, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. That is such good news. Somebody needs to shout hallelujah right now. Amen. That's why when we look at heaven, we, how many of you are looking forward to going to heaven? I mean, that is, oh my good, goodness. Death is nothing to be afraid of. That's just the doorway to eternal life. <laughs> Hallelujah. Nothing to be afraid of. Yeah, there, we know about heaven and the thing that we dream about, the thing that we talk about, and the thing that we're excited about is the fact that there's life forevermore. The fact that, that we're going to be with God and all of our, 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 our loved ones who believed on him and, and all the prophets of old and all of our heroes of faith are all there. And, and, and we also know that there is no dying there. We know that there is no sickness there. We know that there is no pain there. There's no, there's no sadness there. It's glorious because it's where the word of God is established. That's what the psalmist said. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. That's why Jesus dared us to pray heaven down on earth. When you pray, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because wherever the word of God is established, my family, his will is accomplished. See, heaven is the pattern. What is going on on earth as far as the tragedies and the calamities and all the, the death and all the stuff you see around, that's not God's will. Church, this is why we're here to enforce his will in the earth. All right? But we cannot enforce it if we're quiet. If we just sit and watch people live their lives around us and keep our mouths shut. We're never going to accomplish anything like that. We have the message that changes lives. As Peter told Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. My family, I want to tell you today, you have the words of eternal life. It's what made you who you are today. It's how you got to where you are today because you heard certain words that changed your entire life. I'll prove it to you. Go to Acts chapter 11 for just a moment. Acts chapter 11. Are you still with me? So the witnesses to the word, and I told you about last year when I was in South Africa and I was praying for that, that man with cancer. 
Remember when I went out to the parking lot and I was praying over there with cancer and his unbelieving mother-in-law was on the other side of the car. I didn't know this was going on at the time and her daughter. And she only came to this church where they believed in all that, all those miracles and stuff. And the Holy Ghost and tongues and all that stuff. She didn't believe in any of that. And, uh, and so, so she came only for her son-in-law who was in desperate need of a miracle. And so I was praying over him, and I had a marvelous vision. I don't have time to share that with you. But on the other side of the car, unbeknownst to me, the mother-in-law was peeking in the window. And she <gasps> stands up, and she falls back in her daughter's arms. And her daughter says, what's wrong? She says, you see those men? There's three men sitting in the car with Paula. They're all dressed in white. And her daughter said, what? So she's looking, and she don't see anything. I don't see anything. I don't understand. I've been serving God all my life, and he still ain't shown me any of his angels. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And here's this unbeliever who looks in there and sees three angels. I had just preached this message of the three witnesses to the Word of God. That was no accident, right? Uh, and the marvelous thing is, she was so freaked out that, that she told her daughter, take me home. So all week long, she had to think about that. She couldn't deny what she saw, even though her religion told her none of that is true, none of that exists, but her eyes saw it. That next week, she came back to that miracle-believing church, that Holy Spirit church, and, and walked up front and told the pastor, I want to be reborn. She knew that something wasn't right on the inside of her uh, and that it had to change. She wanted this now. This, this made her hunger for the things of God. He said, not only will you be reborn, but you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And as he laid his hands on this woman, she just began to speak in other tongues. It was a marvelous thing. It reminded me of Cornelius' experience, which we're going to talk about here in a second. And then, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to tell you this is a marvelous thing about the Word of God. He gives witness to His Word. He watches over His Word to perform it. Just in Mexico City on Saturday, I was, or last Saturday, not yesterday, I was, I was preaching that same message of the three witnesses to the Word. And after that service is over, this little Mexican mama comes up to me. She tells me in Spanish, and Chris is having to interpret, as you were preaching this message, there were three men standing behind you. Now, I'd like to see these guys. I mean, I, they're, they're apparently following me around, but I don't know where they... Other people have no problem seeing them. But I'm glad they're there. God bless you, you and you. Good to have you in service with us today. Reveal yourselves. Can you please? No, okay. Amen. Uh, not yet. Not yet. Not time. Okay. Anyway, so I was... I, I, yet again, I was just astounded at God's... God's eyes on his word to perform it and that the witness he gives to us it's so powerful that just as we declare it he's there angels are there on assignment to see that word accomplished wherever it is declared this happened at Cornelius's house remember when the angel came and visited Cornelius he was seeking after God but he didn't know how he was just kind of copying the Jews it's the first Gentile convert in the New Testament found over in Acts chapter 10 First time anybody like us got saved. And it happened because a man saw an angel. An angel said, you need to send guys down to a city called Joppa. There's a guy named Peter. He will come and tell you word. Listen to this. Look at, bring that uh, Acts 11 up, Ben. Then, so this is Peter recounting the story to his Jewish friends. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Watch this. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Verse 14. Watch. If you don't have this verse memorized or underlined or highlighted in your Bible, please do that. All right? This is one of the most important verses of Scripture in the entire Bible. Who will tell you words? 
Did you see that? Who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Ooh, see, these aren't just any kind of words. These are the saving kind of words. He's going to tell you words. And when you hear those words, you and all your house are going to be saved. Wow. See, that's why it's completely bunk to buy into uh, the, the, the often tweeted and often quoted uh, um, remark by St. Francis of Assisi. Let us preach the gospel and use words if we have to. The gospel is words. What are you talking about? Your lifestyle is not going to save anybody. It's the gospel that saves. Hallelujah. It's that message that Christ died for our sins and that he rose from the dead. Believe on him. See, that's what happened. He's going to tell you words. So Cornelius and all of his family, they're waiting. And as Peter's preaching to him, they're waiting to hear those words. Are you hearing me? They're waiting to hear certain words. And that's what happens in Acts 10, 43. Look at this. To him, Peter gets to Jesus. It's always about Jesus. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And it's right at that moment that everybody in that house felt like they had a personal invitation to know Jesus. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Watch this, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, which words? The words of the gospel. Whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who, what? Heard the word. When Adam was in that garden and he and Eve partook of that fruit, the lights went out in him. Everything in him, in the spirit realm, became void, dark, and without form. God had a plan. God had a plan. I've seen this before. I've seen the void. I've seen the emptiness. I've seen the darkness. I know how to fix this. I'll fix it with words. In the beginning... In the vastness of space, it was let there be light. But in the void of a man's spirit, it is to him all the prophets witness. Whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. And it's at that moment that the light of the glorious gospel shines on our hearts in the face of Jesus Christ. No longer when a man believes on the gospel is he formless and void. No, now he is in the image of Jesus Christ himself. And the scripture says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have been made new. You believe that today? See, it was those words that you heard, believer. It was those words that you heard for the first time and believed them for the first time. It was at that, that moment that everything changed for you. You became a whole new creation, no longer void of, of God, but full of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is why we have to keep this in our minds all the time. We look out there, and sometimes we can see the darkness in the world, those people that we work with, family or friends, and we think, my God, is there any good thing about them? I mean, <laughs> It just seems hopeless sometimes when we see how people act and what they do. But let me tell you something. The gospel is always the hope for man. Don't ever be intimidated by the void and by the darkness and by the level of sin that you see out there. The gospel saves people's lives. All right? So that's, it's not time to, to cower when you see those things. It's time to declare what God has said. Give them a chance to hear and believe. Are you hearing me? 
You carry the words of life with you. And that very same gospel that saved you will save anyone. You believe that today? Don't be intimidated. Don't back away. Stand strong. Declare what God has said. It's not your responsibility to save people. The gospel saves people. It's only your responsibility to tell them the words. Tell them the words. Come on, tell somebody. Tell them the words. Huh? Tell them the words. That's all you got to do is tell them the words. The word has all the power in it to save. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That's why we have to keep declaring it because we're waiting for someone to believe it. Just because they've heard it before, hey, that doesn't, and didn't do anything, doesn't mean they shouldn't hear it again. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I was reminded of this glorious, this glorious truth when we were in, in Mexico. Sunday night, we were doing some sightseeing and seeing some of the wonderful sights of, of Mexico City, some of the historical areas, the oldest Catholic church there, which uh, when, when the Spaniards invaded there, they, they built that Catholic church because they dismantled some of the Aztec pyramids and built the Catholic church with those stones. Uh, and just an amazing piece of architecture, and you go inside, and it's just gold everywhere, beautiful, beautiful place. And we went in, and so one of the, the tour guy, the guy was watching over the place. He said, now they just started mass. Would you want to come on in? I said, sure. And so we walked in, and, and, and you hear the, the music going on. And looking around, this place is just beautiful. We walk on up to the front, all the way to the front, and, and sit there. And the priest comes out and, and does his hellos or whatever they do. And, and, uh, and then he says, I mean, two minutes into it, he says, let us now <clears throat> focus on our sins. And that Chris Quinones is interpreting for me. I said, well, I guess it's our cue to go since there's no sin here. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. So we, we walked out, and, and as we got outside, as we walked outside, uh, Jesse, Jesus, says, oh, my God. He said, I was thinking, that's the last thing you want to say with Eric Holler in the room. Let us focus on our sins. <laughs> well, amen. I'm glad, I'm glad you understand. I'm, I'm glad to have that reputation. Hallelujah. Okay. But as we were walking out one of those buildings, and we all saw this beautiful art center. It's all marble. some beautiful architecture there. We're going out into this open square. This, this older Mexican man approaches us desperate, desperate. And I couldn't understand what he was saying because he was speaking Spanish. And the other guys were there with him, and they were, they were telling him his story. How somebody had held him up at gunpoint and stolen all of his money. And he was just desperate and, and, and shaken from the experience. I don't know if it had just happened or, or what, but... So as he tells the story, then, then we, uh, we gather some pesos and hand them to him. And old Chris Quinones, Pastor Chris, as we're about to leave, he says, wait, wait, wait. He says, do you know Jesus Christ? And the man said, no, I don't. He said, you want to know him? And he simply told him that he died for his sins and he rose from the dead. And he can come live in him and give him a life that he had always dreamed of, but never knew he could have in Jesus. And the man said, I want that. And I watched Chris lead this, this desperate, desperate man in a prayer where he simply invited Jesus to come into his life and be his Lord and Savior. Right there. See, it was an opportunity that could have passed us by. Hear me. Opportunities are there. I promise you. They're called humans. <laughs> Those are the opportunities. All right? But it's easy. We can, if we're not careful, we'll overlook those, those moments. And I told Chris, I said, that was the highlight of my entire trip here. Just watching you being relentless with the gospel. When anybody else would have just said, okay, given him money and walked off. Yet 
you had to let him hear those words, those words that would save his life. I'm telling you, they're walking by you every day, my friends. My family, they're walking all around us. Let me challenge you this week to be aware of the gospel message in your mouth. Don't let them walk by you without letting them hear the gospel. Are you hearing me? This is all what God has required of us to do, to tell them and let him save them. Let him save them. It is the power of God to salvation. Father, thank you for my family here today. Lord, we thank you for every good thing in our life. We understand that it has come from our Father in heaven. Thank you that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day. Thank you for the truth that whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. It's the greatest message that could ever come to our ears because there are no strings attached to it. All you do is invite us to believe it. And in believing it, we receive it. Thank you for this great salvation. Thank you that all we see here in this natural world is not all that is. For we walk by faith and not by sight. As the scripture says, whether we live, we live for the Lord. Or whether we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. (laughs) Thank you for that assurance that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ who has saved us with an eternal salvation. One that transcends time, transcends death. Father, I thank you for all these that are here under the sound of my voice. And I pray, God, that they would see themselves as the heroes that you've made them to be. No longer zeros, but heroes. You didn't just save them from darkness. You made them like Jesus. You created them in his image. So the very same spirit that raised him from the dead lives in them. And I thank you, Lord, that they go about doing good and healing. They go about doing good, setting people free by the power of God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for all of these sons of God here today. The earth is crying out for the revealing of the sons of God, those who will simply be who they are and do what they do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So for just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I've been looking too much at the void. I've been looking too much at the darkness and the emptiness and have felt hopelessness about my situation. I don't know what that situation is, but I want to, I want to encourage you today. Get the Word of God in your mouth. Dare to believe what God has said despite what you're seeing, despite what you're experiencing. And let His power be released in your life and in your situation. And if you're here today and that spoke to you, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. I'm here to tell you that it's not hopeless. It is not over. There is still hope. Thank you. Thank you. Father, you see these ones with their hands raised who are, who are looking into desperate situations, who can't seem to see in the natural the light. They can't seem to see in the natural, Lord, any hope. But I thank you right now 
that you are the God who brings life to the dead and calls those things that be not as though they are. So I declare life into their situation. I declare restoration, healing, blessing, abundance in Jesus' name. Where there is void no longer, we declare the light of the Word of God to shine upon their situation in the name of Jesus. We create right now by our words, by our opportunities. We create right now healing. We create right now blessing. We create right now restoration. We create right now salvation. We create right now in Jesus' name. Hope by the Word of God. We thank you, Lord, for this great gospel and all the benefits that are with that gospel. Healing, prosperity, wholeness, vigor, life, and that more abundantly. In the name of Jesus. And peace, peace, peace now. To guard their hearts and minds. To not be anxious for one more moment about anything. But to offer up thanksgiving to God. Who sees their need and meets their need according to His riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. I love you guys very much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, There is also a link on the front page of our website.